Hi everyone, uh, welcome to uh, another episode of this brand new podcast series that Gretchen and I have started. Today I have uh, Tony Beltramelli, uh, co-founder and CEO of Wizard uh, with a U. Uh, and I'm actually going to let him tell us what Wizard is and maybe a little idea as to why we should all be using it. Hi, Tony. Please tell us a bit about <laughs> your you. product. Thanks for having me, Trish. Um, and amazing that you specify that it's it's basically pronounced wizard, but it's spelled with a U. So uh, thanks for that. <laughs> um, so wizard is an AI powered design tool for non-designers. And so what this means is that most of the listeners will probably see that, but there are so many people working at software companies that need to be involved with design, uh, but aren't professional designers. And so we basically help all folks that are not designers, uh, basically have a seat at the table when it comes to ideation, brainstorming, and ultimately testing new design ideas for mobile apps, websites, software applications. Um, and so we are an AI powered design tool. And I, I think the AI powered is part is important because We've always thought that the only way to make design accessible to those non-design folks was to basically uh, make it more automated and have an AI design assistant to basically help them go from, from A to B. So that's kind of like what Wizard is in a, in a nutshell. Perfect. And actually, one, one of the first things that caught my attention uh, when I heard, you, uh, heard about you guys is that you actually talked about Figma which in general has been like the, the I'm going to say the, the industry standard of ease of use as a complicated tool. And that, you know, and, and to be honest, I, I, I sometimes felt a bit dumb because everybody was saying how easy Figma is. And yes, it is compared to other tools. Yes, but it was not super easy for me. I'm not a designer, uh, but I do find it very useful. We're all very visual. Humans are very visual, so being able to draw things and show them was, I think, key to my job. But I always spent a lot of time on Figma trying to put things together, and I always had to ask for help from others to make it look good. So when you said that it was complicated, it's like, yes, someone that <laughs> is willing to say it loud and clear. How? So, so imagine if I'm a Figma user, give me some ideas as to hey, what things will you immediately see that can be a lot easier using Wizard? Well, what I actually like and to say is many. that, <laughs> well, typically what I would actually like to say is that if you are a Figma user or a Sketch user or an Adobe user and you're happy and you can do everything, don't come to Wizard. <laughs> That's kind of like what I even like to say because the folks that get the value from Wizard are folks that either don't have the skill set to use these tools or don't have the time to learn how to use these tools. But if you do, then good for you. You are one of the, uh, of the, uh, of the lucky one. <laughs> um, so, but ultimately what we still see is that there's still a subset of UX designers that will use Wizard for ideation because they, find, they just find it so much faster to just get quick and dirty ideas out of their mind into something they can actually show their team and eventually move these artifacts into their tool of choice to you know finalize the pixel perfect design that they like to see before giving it to developers uh, but typically 
all core user and all core customers are not using Figma, Sketch, and Adobe. That's right. That's right. But I think it's also, and in, in you touched on the fact that um, designers may very well be using uh, Wizard at some point in the in the process, even if, if it's not the right tool to get it pixel perfect. But I really, I would like to highlight, because you, you um, I've heard you say that Wizard can also help those experts overcome kind of the, the normal block that you get being in front of a white piece of paper, right? It's like, I, I have ideas, but I'm not sure how to start. And, and Wizard can help give them that starting point, right? Very easily, actually. That's very true, actually. And, and this is probably the place where most UX designers or professional UI designers use our tool is whenever they, well, they want to overcome the blank page syndrome, as they like to call it, uh, or they want to just kind of like pitch an ID and align with a customer or their team like on the spot, not like two hours later. And so a few places where we help with this is, for example, to enable someone to turn a, a rough napkin sketch into a design automatically. You, you sketch on paper on the whiteboard, you snap a picture, and then we turn it into a design that you can then customize and edit. Um, then we also have this other feature to overcome the blank page syndrome, which enabled comp uh, users to take a screenshot of their existing product, of their existing website, and we'll use AI to automatically turn it into something they can edit. So it's, it makes it pretty easy for like a marketing marketing designer to just, hey, this is my landing page, Let's take a screenshot and then I'll modify the color, the, the copy, the imagery, and then we can see if it's better or not. And the last bit is a new feature we've been working on in Stealth for quite some time now, which we just announced, which is enabling people to go from text to design. So really like go from their brainwave rough ideas that they can hopefully type out in English, and then we generate a design backbone that I can just you know take further, customize and, and make it their own. That's right. That's right. And this this brand new feature, text to design. I, I don't know. I mean, I, we talked before you guys uh, unveiled the feature, and so you, you you were just able to tell me we have something really cool coming out. In <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I was really excited when I when I saw that that come out, right? Because I don't know. I mean, obviously we have you know ChatGPT is is a tool today that I'm. I'm yeah. I'm still trying to learn how to use, but obviously the the focus right now is very text driven. So to actually be able to use that same concept of having because this almost now with Wizard it almost feels like a conversation, right? You give it a text prompt, you see what comes up, you realize, hmm, I need to hone in on this part of the description, and you can after several interactions come up with something that that is really really helpful in and close to what you had sketched in your head so this is really a big step forward i think i'm really glad you agree we are really excited to see what people already started to build in in the alpha um but it's it's still a small crowd of people that have access to it but yeah we, we just can't wait to just get it out there and see what our customers uh create with it and how fast it ultimately enabled them to get ideation and design, you know, done. Um. That's awesome. That's awesome. Perfect. So let me let me actually because um, uh, before actually today's conversation, I've been obviously I, I don't know Tony very well. Uh, I learned about his product about four or five months ago from Gretchen. 
Uh, and since then, we've become big um, fans of Wizard. Uh, but this is the second time that I speak with Tony. Um, we've also exchanged some emails and some messages, but I wanted to get to know him and his story and the wizard story uh, a bit better before speaking today, right? So I've been listening to several of the podcasts that he's done in the past that I will actually link in the show notes. Um, and But what I've noticed is at least the ones that I've seen, um, I think I've learned quite a bit about the process that you guys had um, as you were preparing to launch the product, right? Because uh, you started working on this in 2017. Uh, it was only as, as a, almost a research project. Um, you didn't start the company, not launch the product, just start the company until early 2018. And then I think it was only in February 2021 that you launched that first private beta. So obviously there was a lot of thinking and a lot of development that went into the product. Uh, the same way that you said, you know, this uh, this latest feature had been a long time in the making. Even the company, the the MVP, was also a long time in the making. And you you talk a lot about as well uh, the importance of product market fit. And this really resonates with me because you guys are now a very product centric, not sorry, not product centric, but user centric company. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you also talk a lot about um, hacking growth and that entire set of that methodology, which you guys follow now. Um, and to me, it was it was really um, invigorating to see how openly you talk about the mistakes that you guys made in the beginning and how you learned from them. And that one of those key learnings is the importance of processes. Uh, whether it's around uh, around um, uh, customer um, interviews, whether it's around making data-driven decisions, uh, whether it's about uh, rapid testing and prototyping. Um, but after that initial phase of, of early startup today, how do you continue to apply these methodologies to the company today? Has it changed in any way? Or, or no, it's, it's really still basically the same thing. Um, you just need to continue applying it and being very disciplined about it. Well, first of all, I'm impressed about how much you know about the company. <laughs> so well done. And I'm, and I'm really sorry you had to listen about uh, me rumbling in other, other podcasts. <laughs> had lots uh, of fun. No worries. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we're still doing mistakes today. And I guess the process of fast iteration, um, speaking with customers, validating, launching things is still pretty, like core to what we do. Um, but of course it, it has changed and matured because we are no longer a small 12 people company uh, as much as I miss these days. <laughs> uh, but this being said, we still try to apply the same methodology and high pace velocity, but more focused. So we used to be like kind of like, you know, all over the place, trying to do a lot of different things. I know we have dedicated team to optimize different part of the funnel, uh, conversion from sign up to uh, to 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 you know f traffic to sign up, uh, sign up to um, activated user, activated users to paid users, um, and then eventually retention. So we have small teams that are focusing it entirely on these part of the funnel, and then using the same kind of like high pace velocity experimentation that we've 
used in the past, but more dedicated to optimizing one part of the funnel. So I guess this is a part of change. It's basically the same thing, but more uh, precise than it used to be, um, and in a more uh, focused manner, if I if I if I would say. Well, this is um, this is actually really really interesting. Um, let me then ask you a little bit more about that because and actually so you were about 12 people and now you are up to how many are you in the team we're roughly like 40 45 people right now perfect in so still fairly small uh we like we like to run things uh you know we like to still know everybody but of course like yeah we used to be 12 until um august 2021 and now we're like roughly 45 people yeah and, and you actually uh, well, th there was a, a, a relatively fast growth phase, right? Uh, after you got additional funding, correct? But then that exactly. team, you grew it up to forty-five, and and but but you are you you're not currently growing the team any longer, right? You you have found your sweet spot for this this time of growth. That's that's correct. I, I strongly believe that we have all the right talent and the right scale for the stage we are in. Um, and and we probably will only start growing the team again once you know new new opportunity starts uh, shining, new growth lever are starting to form. Uh, but for the time being, we, I think we have the right team and the right talent uh, to to get to the next stage. In in actually, um, tell me a bit because it's it's something that um, always fascinates me, right? Uh, how do you? And, and I agree, the team is not is not huge, but it is still big growth from twelve to forty five. Uh, and I'm sure that the focus that you already had on processes really helped you to keep things kind of disciplined and, and orderly, even if very innovative and fast paced. Um, but how 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 have you organized the team? What are kind of the key functions that you have within this 45 people team? You obviously talked about from a product perspective, um, you know, you can have an, uh, a, a part of the team that is looking at every single part of that customer journey. Uh, but aside from product, what are the other key functions uh, that you have added to the team um, that that you think are key at the moment to help you with this growth? Yeah, of course. I mean, one thing I would just want to mention is that the, the growth from 12 to 45 was definitely painful and we've done all the mistakes in the book. So I definitely don't want to pretend that it was an easy transformation. Um, but now we are, so out of the 45 people, 29 of us are still working in product and engineering. Uh, so product engineering and design. So still the majority of the company. And then 16 uh, focused on marketing, customer success, operation, people and culture and finance. Um, so we try to just, you know, as I said, like stay really lean. So the marketing team right now is focusing on content and SEO, community, um, uh, social media, um, and then partnership, um, and then customer success, well, customer support, helping our, our users and customers be successful with the product and, and get value from the product. Um, and then, you know, operation, people, finance, the basically backbone that makes sure that everything is running smoothly um, every day of the week. Got it. And, you know, it, it, it's actually... Um it's actually interesting because um, so 45, no, sorry, at 29 people still in product, engineering, in design. How, um, 
how does particularly because in my head really marketing and also even customer success are probably very very tightly coupled still with product engineering yeah. and design right because they Absolutely. are great feedback channels yeah. so how is that communication uh kind of built within the company as uh, really as as part of the of the core function which i think is product still product in, in engineering design we've actually done a lot of iteration to try to find the sweet spot because you're absolutely right even though we are a product-led company and so mar but marketing and customer success are part of the product right we like to look at marketing as the first growth stage of the product growth journey uh, is the acquisition piece um, and we've done a lot of different things to try to you know have a seamless um, process uh, amongst those three teams but ultimately it, it goes down to the basics like having people speak to one another um, each leader of these different teams you know get them in the same room on a regular basis um, have some slack channel where people can share uh, learnings from customer meetings or uh, user feedback and make sure that everybody knows what's going on at any, any given point. So we have actually a few Slack channels that are basically full of customer feedback that just come every hour of the day whenever we got them. And that enabled typically the entire team to know what's going on, what needs to be fixed, how can we change positioning um, at, 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 at any given time. Got it. Okay. Okay. This uh, Slack channels are um, are definitely. Uh, I, it seems that a lot of companies today run on Slack, so <laughs> in, including including mine. So it's uh, definitely a really important tool. Um, and actually, let me let me also ask you because you you mention and I've always heard you speak of your product as uh, well of the product of of Wizard in general as a product led organization, but I'm wondering. Actually, two things. One of them is, um, what about the community, right? Because I feel that this is, you, you talked in the past a lot about word of mouth uh, yeah. and how important this has been for your, for your product and also all the collaboration features that you have within your product. Um, so it, it felt to me that, of course, you need to have a good product because otherwise everything else fails. Uh, but after that, it's almost more about the community. So do, do you agree with that? Or how, how do you guys work with your community? Word of mouth is by far our biggest channel. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's like group of people loving the product and then sharing the love with, with one another. Uh, and we see this you know, either inside of the product, so someone inviting other members to collaborate within the same team. Uh, but we also see it like outside of the product where folks will share their wizard project with other people um, and then ultimately spread the word. Um, we've tried to kind of like provoke community-led um, growth through events, webinar, um, online gathering and different sort of things. Um, but yeah, we're trying to get a lot of different things um, to try to nurture this word of mouth, which we love. And ultimately the goal is to help people help one another either when they use wizard or when they are in the project journey because a lot of people that started really being active in wizard in the early days were was actually f startup founders that didn't have either the budget to hire designers or didn't have the skill set to use one of the design tool and they would build their first mvp in wizard and we tried to be this partner to help them um you know find their first customer um i even had a few chat with early early users to try to help them 
pitch investors with their wizard MVP. So that's kind of like small things we did early on to try to be helpful and help people be su successful beyond wizard and beyond the uh, MVP that would have created in, in our, in our tool. That's awesome. And how, because I'm, 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 you know, when it comes to community, the two companies that I always think about, one of them is Waze um, and, and Wikipedia, right? And with Waze, I was, I was um, just flabbergasted when I learned how they use their community really as the main input into the product, right? It, it is the yeah. community, the yeah. one that says, hey, there is delays in this road, et cetera. And, and they really built almost like a hierarchy uh, of volunteers, uh, almost like a company, company organization um, to, to, you know, have the, the people that are the most involved uh, actually take more responsibility and even approve decisions that other volunteers are, are proposing, for example, right? And so I kind of, when I started learning about that, I also started to try to figure out, hey, what could be maybe better ways to organize communities uh, that grow a little bit organically, right? To, yeah. to really make them almost part of the company. And obviously what you said about webinars and about conferences, I think those are very key elements to galvanize them. But are there any, any um, I don't know, really out of the box or different thinking that you're applying to try to develop that community and make them into real um, sellers for you, right? At the end of the day. And, and sellers is not advocates. That's really the right word that you want to use. Yeah, so we've done a, we've done a few things. So one of the places where we've seen Wizard grow really rapidly, like in terms of word of mouth, has been universities. And we've been working with a few of students course. to be like ambassadors. They will organize small gathering inside of universities, hackathon, where Wizard would be one of the tools that they could have access to, to build the MVP um, or for the design or development class. Um, we've had a Slack channel dedicated to uh, team members, uh, like users and community members, where we would interact with them on a, on a regular basis. We've used also a community tool called Circle to also in interact with the community on a, on a day-to-day, -day, get feedback, hear their thoughts. Uh, so we, we've really tried to just find ways to just be close to people and, and help That's them right. first of all be successful but also be successful with wizard if if wizard was the right tool or solution for for their problem and for the problem of their community that's right that's right and and then my, my other question really with regards to you know kind of community but it, i think it's just part of the go-to-market strategy um for you guys have a very b2c approach right um but, but at the end of the day, there's this people, and I'm sure that there is a lot of entrepreneurs using it, right? But I think it's also really useful to non-designers, non-engineers, non-product managers uh, in large corporations, right? Absolutely. So do you have a B2B aspect to your go-to-market strategy? How do you work with that? Yeah, so from a go-to-market strategy, we, we always looked at Wizard as a prosumer. It's really like a B2C2B. People find us because they have a individual problem, but ultimately product is built as a team. And so we've always had real-time collaboration built in. Um, you know, we can invite people to collaborate. And that means that once we enter a team through one core champion, either a product manager, a marketing, marketing leader, 
then it kind of spread within the organization through the team collaboration aspect. Um, and so that's kind of like how we work with companies and businesses to say like, hey, you have two teams using Wizard and Appendently, uh, and maybe this other team could actually benefit from this you know, tool as well. How can we just help your organization be more successful um, and, and you know, spread within the organization uh, as organically as we can? But this is still the early days. We are still really not having a dedicated full-blown sales team. Uh, it's still pretty much organic B2C to B uh, at the moment, bottom-up uh, bottom growth. Got it, got it. Okay, that's super interesting. B2C to B. Um, it's that's okay. Okay, that's uh, I don't know. It, it's it's really um, I, I, I don't know. I think that I'm more familiar with kind of maybe a slightly different approach, which is kind of in the early days, maybe working a little bit more B2B yeah, um, yeah. To, to get that pull and then go B2C um, or B2D, right? If, if it's developers <laughs> yeah. that you're targeting, but I really like this B2C to B approach. Um, okay, okay. We've, been, we've uh, been actually quite inspired. It's kind of like the same playbook that Notion, Figma, all this right. like really product like Loom, um, and I think it's pretty interesting for us as like a very product driven team. You know, we tend to be a bit, um, uh, you know, how do you say like nerdy, we want to just build product and then <laughs> the product sells itself. And, you know, to some extent, this is what has happened. Um, so, right. yeah, it's a it's a great model for um, for Wizard, uh, at least for now. But we definitely know that at some point, if we are to be as successful as the company we look we look up to, like Notion, uh, we probably would need to branch out um, and then build a sales motion on top of product-led uh, to be a bit more um, in, engaged with those big companies that ultimately maybe have security issues to let their team adopt the product organically. Um, but that's probably for later uh, in our stage, <laughs> in, our, in our growth. Got it. Got it. That's really interesting. Now, switching um, a little bit, well, only a little bit kind of topics, um, because it is, obviously it is, you're you're on um the, the product is very ai centric right yeah um do you see any or what do you see as the main barriers of adoption for ai driven tools obviously specifically um wizard but maybe you can think more generically kind of about about the industry is it um uh is it understanding how the tool works um do you think that people may be a little bit like, oh, if it's AI, maybe it's going to be too complicated for me? I, I I don't know. Obviously, that's not the case for early adopters. But as you keep growing your market base, then, you know, other people that are less adventurous uh, will come into the fold. Do, have you experienced any of this yet or, or not yet? That's a really interesting point. Uh, so at the core, because we wanted to make design accessible using AI, we've always wanted to make the experience as straightforward and easy as possible. We we often told our customers for a long time that if you can use PowerPoint, you can use Wizard. So the AI element is meant to be hidden away and then just supporting the user journey from ideation to brainstorming to design. But what I will say though, is that back in 2018, 2019, 2020, when we started mentioning AI was kind of like freaking people out a little bit because people didn't really understand that AI was actually a reality that could help them be more productive and more creative. Um, 
But now with ChatGPT, you know, blowing out, the market has been educated and we no longer have to explain to people that AI is truly a real thing that can help them. It's, you know, people get it now and they're just, oh, okay, I can see how AI can help me with design and ideation. And then it's just so much smoother to just get people to experience the value and understand how it can help them uh, quickly and easily save time and money. Oh, that's all. Okay, got it. So then obviously GPT has generated the right type of buzz to make it familiar for everyone. Right? Exactly. And, yeah. In and how do you um because you also I've I've heard you talk about in, in AI like with everything else, there is some foundational technology, which in this case maybe you could think of ChatGPT as being a foundational technology, is very good at understanding English. Yeah. And that allows it to do many other things, right? Um, and you talk about the importance of really understanding the specific use case or your user uh, so that you can become a little bit more of a domain expert. So you know how to apply that foundational technology to your world. Um, tell us maybe a little bit more about that. Has, has ChatGPT also helped you from a foundational perspective mm. or or no, right? You, you guys have your own foundation that you already built starting back in 2017. And now it's it's building additional capabilities on top of your core. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. T tell me a bit how you're interacting with the rest of the industry. Yeah, of course. If, if, so if at I, all. <laughs> As you mentioned, I mean, we've been building AI long before generative AI was like the hot new thing. So all the f foundational model that we've built over the years are still the one that are powering most of our tool capabilities today. Um, and then we, of course, like are really actively researching how we can leverage GPT as well to kind of like create an even more smooth user experience for our users. And auto designer, this text to design that we, we are, we've announced recently is the manifestation of this, um, where we have all the foundational model. How can we just leverage GPT on top? to generate text and a, a full-blown, you know, screen design, because ultimately people type, type text and then we need to find a way to understand this text and then generate screens according to this text. And this is a beautiful place where suddenly our core foundation model can actually live alongside some of these large langu language model like GPT to provide users with a very novel, um, novel journey and user experience. Um, so yeah, we, we've actively uh, researching how we can use large language model and GPT with an own tool to, to basically provide more value to our, to our customers. Got it. That's awesome. And then how do you, um, so, so let, let me then ask you, so clearly language, uh, natural language models like chat GPT is something that you can see leveraging. What about, um, because that you, I, I'm going to, say that you your target is I'm gonna I'm gonna say kind of the mass market right you 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 want to be a mass market tool uh, that is accessible to to anyone right um how do you see but but obviously at the moment I, I hope that you will and I'm sure that in your roadmap uh, your idea will be to maybe cover more areas of the design and the development and the product launch process right but at the moment you're very focused on a specific area. So, Absolutely. and there yeah. are many other tools 
that I'm sure that your target audience also uses, right? And and I'm reading mm -hmm. just a handful like copy.ai, jasper.ai, slidesay.io, midjourney. Um, and, and at the moment, there's just a lot of different tools that they can use while also using yours. How do you, and I know that the, obviously the, the industry is very nascent, but do you see ever some sort of collaboration or creating some sort of the tool suite, uh, a little bit similar to what Adobe has done, right? Mm -hmm. Having also a full suite of products. How do you envision that? Do you see collaboration about around the industry or is it just too early? And yes, at the right time, maybe, but not now. So where we see overlap and collaboration is actually not between companies, but it between the users. Uh, so it's actually pretty interesting to see how people basically hack their way to use these different tools alongside each other. So an example of that is, you mentioned Midjourney. So Midjourney is just amazing at, well, generating images. And we've seen a lot of people using it for generating uh, UI design, new, you know, web, web page design concepts. And because Wizard has a feature that can enable people to take a screenshot and make it customizable, we've actually seen a fair amount of people actually generating their rough concept in Midjourney take this through the screenshot import in Wizard and then tweak it uh, inside of our tool. And it's not something we, we anticipated being used. So it's still rough because Wizard was not meant to be working with mid-journey images, but it's kind of working to a point where people can actually make a fair use of it. So this is where we, we're pretty interested to see how people themselves find ways to just, you know, use tools alongside each other to just, well, basically achieve their goal, uh, which is amazing amazing to see. Got it. That's that's really interesting. We go back to kind of that that community driven uh, development, exactly. right? That maybe yeah. maybe this will be a, a good cue for you guys to improve the experience of importing those sorts of images, for example, mm -hmm. right? So that's uh, that's really interesting. And then let me let me maybe end because I know that we wanted to keep it to about thirty minutes, and I think we've we've already gone over time. Um, how do you see? the AI, and maybe let me let me ask you kind of two things, right? Because obviously you are an AI expert, uh, but you're also an engineer and to to be honest, a design expert, right? Because this is how it, it, it all started. <laughs> you were working with designers as a front-end engineer and you were a bit frustrated of, you know, they create designs that then you need to implement in every new design means a brand new implementation. So how can you make things a little bit smoother, right? For that transition, at least that was my interpretation of how this all started. Um, is that right or not? So I uh, would consider myself a design lover by no means a design expert, but, uh, but that's kind of like how we started. Yeah. And we've of course pivoted from this initial value proposition of helping designers and developers, but it was the, uh, the initial pain point that we wanted to solve with, with, with AI and machine learning before we realized that there was a much bigger pain point to solve with the same technology. Uh, so yeah, you, you definitely got that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that was actually, and, and just for everybody, you, you guys should listen to the podcast that I will refer um, to in the show notes because uh, Tony is incredibly um, authentic and open uh, talking about the mistakes that as any brand new entrepreneur uh, they made. Uh, and I think there is a lot to learn about, you know, maybe starting to build a product for yourself and then learning to actually talk to the customers, the people that are really starting to use the product 
uh, to then pivot to really fit that market, right? So he's uh, it's it, 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 yeah. I just thought you were you were really uh, insightful in in those conversations as you guys started. Um, but I I do really Thank consider you, really you a, a bit. No, no, it's it. I don't know. I, I was. It really made my day when I listened to them. But I do, even if you don't, I do <laughs> consider you a bit of a d design expert. Um, so there may be from from both sides, right? From a from an AI, and then also maybe from a from a design industry perspective. Where where do you see this these two industries going, both separately but also jointly? I, I don't know. How do you see the future? That's a, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because AI got to a point now, which is absolutely insane, right? I mean, no one anticipated that we'll be able to get what we can do today um, this quickly. I think AI is here to stay. I mean, honestly, I know it's going to probably sound like cliche because you might have heard the same in a thousand different other places on the internet. But I think a, like AI, as we are experiencing, as we experience it today, is as dramatic as the internet, um, in my opinion, is just going to transform every industry and the way everybody work across all function, all industry, all vertical. Um, and so we, we, we're pretty excited to be doing our humble step within design to help people take their brainwaves and ideate and design uh, much faster and much easier. But my take is that AI is here to stay and we're going to start seeing it in every product we use. And we're even going to start forgetting it's even powered by AI. It's just going to be like, yeah, this is tech. You know, I'm yeah. taking my app and I can talk to it and it does what I do. What would you mean by AI? I think, uh, you know, kids and teenagers are going to forget that this is even something that didn't exist just five years ago. Uh, that's that's what I, I think is going to happen very quickly. I agree. I agree. It is. It is AI. Is, um, it, it's you, what, how does the saying go? Is something along the lines that change happens very slowly for a very long time, and then suddenly it just happens very quickly. I've just butchered the quote, but it's you know it's it's a long time <laughs> in the making, a lot of people yeah. working on it, and then it gets to a point where suddenly yeah it's ready for exponential growth, and then everybody's surprised. It's like oh it happened overnight. It's like no no no, yeah. it happened over <laughs> ten twenty years. Yeah exactly. But it's just now good enough, right? So. In th then let me ask you, and I know I said it was the last question, but I, I am a big, <laughs> um, I'm going to call it blockchain, or, or I'm going to say more distributed technologies fan. Um, I don't know if you are interested at all in that world, and if you have any opinion of maybe how that might interact with any of the worlds that you are deep in. And if your answer is, no, I'm not interested, that's, that's fine. I just... I can't miss the opportunity to ask you. That, that's actually something I even really like deep dive into um, when you know blockchain became like top headline as a as a new technology to enable, uh, as you said, distributed uh, internet protocol. Uh, so it's not something I know very well to be honest, because I, I felt like I had enough work on my plate with AI and machine learning. Uh, so <laughs> I don't want to butcher Running any. Running a company any, kept any you busy. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was definitely enough things going on in machine learning and AI to keep to keep me uh, away from uh, from blockchain as an engineering uh, new, you know, a good new opportunity for for, uh, for for companies and startups. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. Well, 
thank you very much. Uh, to be honest, I still have loads more questions that I would love to ask you, but really appreciate your time. And I hope that uh, we'll be able to chat again maybe soon. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And I hope I uh, help provide some insights to, uh, to anyone listening. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. See you bye soon. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you.